0: Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. Amen. The most powerful aspects of these stories this past week, for me, have been the simple moments, the simple gestures, the, the lines that could almost be throwaway lines because of what all is taking place in these stories. The lines that are descriptions of just ordinary simple things that folks are doing while all of this craziness is taking place. They seem to be the most pregnant for me, revealing things, speaking things, jarring people's imaginations, and they're the simple ones, the ordinary ones. And what is taking place? Well, people are finding a new way of seeing and a new way of being in the world. First the Palm Sunday story, towards the end, then Joseph took Jesus' body, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb. It was the day of preparation. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed. They prepared spices and ointments for the body. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment almost kind of like afterthoughts of the whole betrayal and crucifixion. And yet, it's in these moments that these folks are preparing themselves. The one who will be the first to witness the resurrection is simply doing what you do. When someone dies, you prepare the body. You lay him in the tomb. The next day is the Sabbath, so you rest. You go about your life. And in today's story, we hear that several days later, Mary came to sit vigil at the tomb, to stand there, to be with this one who had been lain there. Because it's what we do we go visit the place where they've been lain, and we pay our respects. And we know that their spirit is not there on one hand, but somehow we experience the communion, and so we do it. It's the ordinary things, the rituals. But it's in this very simple thing that everybody does that suddenly something has shifted. Suddenly she gets there and she realizes, wait a minute, the stone's gone. I don't know what's happened here. And because her brain synapses have not been wired for something new, her brain goes to where it would first go. They've obviously stolen the body. I mean, what other grotesqueness can they inflict on us? I mean, what else can they do? This whole last several days hasn't been heinous enough, and now as if they want to just rub it into us, now they've just taken the body, and God knows what they've done with it. Something has shifted. And so she goes to her friends to tell them what she's seen. In a few moments when we renew our baptismal vows, we will say, Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? What that really just means is, will you just tell folks what you're seeing? Simply report what you're seeing, and that's what she does. Something's going on. The body's not there. And so the disciples come running, and the first one is faster, and that one gets to the tomb and looks in and stops. And is that not like how life is when something's not computing? We just have to stop You might even rub your head. You're like, I don't know where to go with this because my brain doesn't know what's happening. And they go in and they look at the linens and they turn around and go home. Try to figure out what's going on. Something has shifted. What does this mean that the stone and these linens can't hold back what's emerging? What does this mean? And so the men go home, but... Mary stays at the tomb. She stays present in her pain. She stays there to be present in her sense of loss. And it's not simply for herself that she mourns or her friend. It's also for her people. They had hoped that this world somehow would have changed. This world where institutions, religious, governmental, peddle their fear and convince us we need to be afraid. This world where governments and even religious institutions work to silence those who would threaten their power and will even go to the point of killing people, if necessary, to keep our control. She mourns because she had hoped somehow it would be different this time that somehow the state wouldn't just win. One more time when the rulers get to rout out and express their institutionalized power and violence. She'd hoped somehow it would be different. And she's mourning for herself and her people for what's been lost. We had hoped in this one we wouldn't have to live afraid. We hope that somehow those who wrap themselves in the symbol of nation and religion wouldn't yet once again get to rout out all those who challenge their position. So she remains, and she weeps. And perhaps she's remembering Jesus' word on the way to the cross, where he said, women of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and what's going on. And so she stays and she weeps. I know, some people weep a lot more. (laughs) Thank you for that cue. That was very, you know. But it's her staying present to her pain that allows the next moments to happen. It's through her tears that she experiences something jarring. Woman, why are you weeping? Well, because my friend told me to, if nothing else. Woman, who are you looking for? I'm looking for the one they've stolen. Mary, look. Is it you, Jesus? And Jesus says, Mary, don't hold on to me. Now, can you imagine Mary? She's probably wanting to clutch him for everything she's worth. And he's saying, don't hold on to me because what you think you're seeing right now is not what you're really seeing. What you think you understand right now is not what really is happening. There is more, and you've got to let this go. Easter is about the chance to live differently. As many have said, Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about us, Jesus came to change our mind about God. Jesus did not come to make us acceptable to God, but to make God and God's ways acceptable to us. Now, you may think that's not what you heard in catechism or Sunday school. It's because as the church we've screwed this up, and it's had deadly consequences. When we say that Jesus came to take away the sin of the world, we're not talking about the day in eighth grade when I was really angry at my best friend Tom and I said some really ugly things to him. Now, what Tom did is what I needed. Tom came back to me about respect and what it means to be in relationship and if this relationship is to continue. Said it a little more feistily than that. But nobody that day needed to be brutalized because of my sin. Think about that. And even Jesus, even all these powers that have worked and conspired to brutalize him and kill him, what is God's response to that? What do we see in Jesus? In the garden, when Peter pulls out the sword and Jesus says, Peter, don't you know, yeah, we can do it this way. We can. We can mount up all kinds of violence, and yet the world will not have something else to live by. We'll just be one more group trying to figure out who has the most power and the most stuff. And what we're about here is living differently. And offering people something different. Because God knows, and Jesus knows, that violence is not redemptive. When we say that Jesus came to take away the sin of the world, what we're saying is that Jesus came to break the fear of the powers, to unmask the powers for us, to say they really can't threaten you finally. There is a way to live that offers something different than just more violence and more fear. The human capacity to choose love in the face of fear That's what Jesus had made possible on the cross and unleashes for all of us to choose. A way free from fear, a way to look at the tyrants and all those who would tell us to be afraid and say, no, there is another way of living. The cross and Easter are about what's made possible in us. The cross and Easter are what will make us in a few moments able to renounce the powers of this world which seek to corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. Easter is about choosing God and God's vision who draws all people together. Jesus did not come to make us acceptable to God. Jesus came to make God and God's vision acceptable to us. So, where are Mary and the disciples in all this? Well, one of the best lines that I love here is where they say, they believed because they didn't understand. You know they believe they didn't understand. Translated means they don't know what the heck is going on. But what they do decide is to lean into the story. What it means is, for over the next fifty days of Easter, they're going to keep showing up and telling each other what they see. They're going to be scared. They're not going to be sure. They're still not going to recognize Jesus multiple times but they're going to keep showing up and saying, we saw this today, do you think this is it? Do you think this is the life of God in our midst? And they'll share the stories, and they'll break the bread, and finally they will realize that indeed Jesus has broken the power of fear, and that Jesus is in every last one of them as he said he would be. That's where they are, leaning into the story, Leaning into a new way of seeing and leaning into a new way of being in the world. Well, it's the same for us. We don't have to understand it all now, but what we are asked is to lean into the story. We thank you, O God, for the water of baptism. In it we are buried with Christ in his death, and by it we share in his resurrection. That's what Easter is about. A new way of seeing and the ability to live differently in the world.